I'm Katie Brejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. A lot of times when people think about evangelization by definition, their minds probably immediately go to, say, a parish, right? Parish programs, a Bible study, a RCIA program, something for youth and young adults, maybe a family ministry, at the very least, hopefully something that gives mom and dads the chance to learn about their faith and then turn around and impart it to their children. We tend to think of evangelization in formal terms. And, and as we're digging into this entire season, we, we really want to kind of unpack, well, what does sharing the faith look like from a formal perspective in the parish, from a diocesan level, kind of that, that top-down evangelization attitude? But then what does it look like in relationships? What does it look like in communities? What does it look like from the pews, where people who are maybe attending some of these programmatic formal things are then perhaps inspired to go share the faith on their own? And then how do we make sure those people feel not only equipped to go do that, inspired to do that, know what they're talking about when they are sharing the faith, but to first and foremost help them come from a place of knowing Jesus Christ, which is the root of any sort of evangelization, formal, informal, programmatic, or relational. And so we wanted to sit down with somebody who's seen this up close and personal in her years of parish ministry and really unpack and explore well, what does that look like from the office side of things, the the employee who knows how to make these things happen, but then also in that relational context, whether from her own experience, her own relationships, and then getting to know parishioners who have become people who share the faith at every chance. Shannon Schmidt is a, an upcoming Ave author. Her new book will be coming out in February. She talks with us a little bit about that in this episode. And she has a lot of wisdom and insight to offer specifically from the perspective of, okay, if a programmatic thing is happening in a parish, what's the end goal? And how can we actually listen to the parishioners, the people in the pews, the people whose minds need to be shaped and hearts need to be formed so that they can turn around and evangelize and share the faith themselves? How do we listen to what it is that they have questions about, what it is that they're looking for, what it is that they need? how it is that they need encouragement to be able to share the faith. This, of course, is all part of our Ave Explorer series on sharing the faith. You can find everything we're creating, videos, other podcasts, articles, social media exclusives, everything that you could imagine. We're creating it over at AveMariaPress.com. Just click on to the banner at the top. It says Ave Explorer, sharing the faith. You can see everything that we're creating hear these conversations, and turn around and share them with people that you know and love, and they can get in on the fun as well. You can subscribe to get these emails in your inbox every single week. But for right now, we hope that you sit back and enjoy this conversation about sharing the faith and listening to parishioners with Shannon Schmidt. Shannon, welcome to Ave Explorers. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Katie. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so tell us where you, we're friends. I want to want to clarify that at the top. We are pals. We are Instagram pals. We are mm-hmm. soon to be real life pals at NCIC yeah. this year. Like we're totally going to hang out in person. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do the show, the other show live. So we'll uh, we'll have you on in our booth. But Shannon, tell us where you are, who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Shannon Wimp-Schmidt. I am a pastoral minister in a parish outside of Indianapolis. I'm also a mom of four and a wife. My husband works in Catholic schools as assistant principal. And then in my free time, I uh, <laughs> yeah, free time, I do some writing. So I occasionally write some articles for various Catholic publications, as well as I'll be publishing my first book with Ave this 
February, February 11th. Hopefully it doesn't change. Um, <laughs> Fingers crossed. Called Fat Luther, Slim Pickens, uh, which is a book I wrote with my business partner and friend, Marcia Lane McGee, about our experience as Black Catholics, kind of looking at that through the lens of the liturgical year. So we're really excited to have that coming out this winter, spring, somewhere yeah, in there. February. It's excellent. I got to read an early copy and was, I told Tom, I said, I want them to just come over and like read it to me and just like, <laughs> teach me all of these things and then incorporate them into our lives. So thank you yes. for that book. It's excellent. Everybody needs to grab a copy. Tell me a little bit about the work that you do in your parish. Sure. So I work full-time in pastoral ministry doing adult formation. I also run our RCIA process here at the parish. Uh, I run all of our parish social media, which a man like that is a ministry. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a chunk. Along with that, I do, you know, kind of some other things like funeral planning um, and other, um, as in every Catholic ministry leader's contract, duties as assigned by the pastor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the catch-all. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we have discussions sometimes about what those duties should be, but I have a great pastor and I'm so happy to be in my parish and in my diocese and man, I got, I, I hit the jackpot. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, so it's so interesting. You talk to parish employees across the country and like, sometimes it's hit the jackpot, love what I do. will happily take on these duties as assigned by pastor. And then sometimes you just, you, you see people and you're like, please leave, like, please take care mm -hmm. of yourself and get mm -hmm. the heck out of Dodge because this is not good for you. And it's not good for anything in your faith life. Like my sister's joke always was you can lose your faith working for the church if you're not oh, careful. How, how did you arrive in a pastoral ministry position? Was that always your dream? Was that mm -hmm. what you wanted to do when you were studying college? I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, you know, the, the parish employees, they're always like, how did you land that job? Yeah. And also like, can you feed your family doing that job? And like, don't, don't <laughs> give me the details of that. But like, yeah. what does it look like to balance your personal faith with a career where you're literally paid to talk about the faith. Yeah, absolutely. To kind of start at the beginning, I was very involved in youth ministry at my home parish when I was a teenager. And I just felt this tug of like, God's calling me to work at the time it was youth ministry, but like to study this, I really was the type of kid who was like really good at a lot of things, but not really like super interested in one or the other or great at anything. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to study theology wound up at the University of Notre Dame for my undergraduate degree and got into theology. And like my first class, I fell in love. I was like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. So I'm really a theology nerd. When I got out of college, I, I wound up in youth ministry and I probably was in youth ministry for um, a couple years. And then I had my first child, got married, had my first child. And I was like, man, this is really hard. I was a really large parish where I was there probably four or five nights a week. It was hard to balance. I just couldn't do it with a newborn. And so I went to a part-time job in pastoral ministry with adults. And I was like, I like this, but I think I'm gonna like, I really miss youth. Wound up back teaching part-time at the parish school and then working part-time at the same parish as a youth minister. And I loved it. I love teenagers. Like they're, I love you all teenagers. If you're <laughs> out there listening to us, <laughs> probably not, but <laughs> um, you know, whatever. And uh, you know, I was that weirdo that loved middle school kids and mm -hmm. did all that. And then after having, I got to baby number four. And at the time I was working in campus ministry at a boarding school and I just was kind of worn out. Not that it was bad, but it was a different energy that I needed. 
the thing that kept repeating over and over again in my mind was like, I want to equip other people for ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I just gotten my master's degree in pastoral ministry. I had been doing it for probably 15 years at that point, maybe maybe closer to 10. And I was like, I've learned all these lessons of just like what works, what doesn't, who I am as a minister and what my gifts and talents are. And I just feel like I need to share that with other adults who are doing this. Mm. So it just so happened that the pastor of the parish where I'm at now called me. We had been attending this parish for probably like 10 years. And he said, would you be interested in this job? Another person was retiring. And I was at the time like, no, I don't think so. I was thinking about going into diocesan work. So helping people in that capacity. And I said like, well, fine, like I'll interview. And I remember what sold me on the job. It was talking about doing RCIA and at our parish, we have like screens on which we project lyrics. So if you've been to like a big conference and seen all Mm -hmm. that, like we have those in our sanctuary, we do still have hymnals and stuff too. But because we have those, we also have the capacity to like play video and do all of the other interactive things. And he was telling me it was a couple days after Easter. I think it was like a week after Easter. And they were telling me about the Easter vigil. And he said, yeah. And we projected the baptisms for RCIA, all these adult Mm -hmm. baptisms onto the screens during mass. And I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, that's one of the things that I wish I could see if I'm like in the cry room with my kids Mm -hmm. at mass and seeing everybody baptized that he was willing to do that and do it in a respectful way to draw people into participation in the Mm -hmm. liturgy. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Right. And it was, it was a moment of evangelization for people. Yeah. Who were already there at mass, but like, right. So I wound up here and have just really loved working with adults and helping them discover their not only draw deeper in their faith, but discover their ability to serve the other people in their lives, whether that's through mm-hmm. outreach or evangelization, or just like being a mom or a dad who's taking yeah. care of kids, whatever that is. And so God's moved me in a couple of different directions, but that's been just a, a joy to like see where he's taken me. You said something in there of like evangelizing and continuing to engage the faith with even the people who are already in the pews. And that's mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I feel like evangelization by definition, people just assume it just means constantly going out and trying to bring new people in. And like, mm-hmm. I always have to remind myself, there's a ceiling. Like there's only so many <laughs> Catholic women on Instagram that will follow you. There's only so many people that are going <laughs> to download this particular podcast that like mm-hmm. have, you know, this is their interest. Eventually you have to start tilling the soil that you have, right. And like mm-hmm. ministering to the people that are there because then their reach is, I mean, if you think of it in terms of like podcast promotion, you want listeners to share what they're hearing. You want people in the pews to to tell the people that aren't in the pews, not just one single paid hand. I mean, it's far more than just being paid to do it. But we have to recognize that evangelization has to multiply among the people we're evangelizing. How do you think that's going? I mean, that's yeah. a huge question in the state of American <laughs> Catholicism, in the yeah. state of the church in general. But like yeah. in your experience, and I mean, Indianapolis, in my experience, is very middle America. Like this is, Mm -hmm. you're going to span the gamut of race. You're going to span the the gamut Mm -hmm. of religion even, and Mm -hmm. of socioeconomic backgrounds. There's wealthy parts, there's poor parts, there's, Mm -hmm. there's commonly middle-class. How do you see it work? And then Mm -hmm. I guess in the ways that you're seeing it work, how do you see it failing? And then Mm -hmm. maybe we can dig into what some of those solutions might be. 
So I think that one of the things that maybe isn't working uh, first is that we assume that the people in the pews, one, have been evangelized at all, Mm -hmm. um, and two, have a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. And I think that's the one thing that I've seen, even for somebody like me, and this is something I have to remind myself over and over again. And I think this speaks to what you were saying about having a job that aligns with my faith versus my personal faith. If that personal relationship with Jesus is not the first thing that we worry about, then there's not going to be fruit because unless the spirit of Christ is moving in our hearts, is moving in our communities, then we're not going to be fruitful. We're doing something else. We're not doing evangelization. We're doing marketing, whatever you want to call it. And that's been hard. Like I I personally, right now I'm going through kind of a dry period of like, I really need to force myself to like be attentive to that relationship. And also I think that we are hitting a transition between generations. You know, um, the church has been well led by baby boomers and some in the, you know, what we call maybe the silent generation for the past 30 years. I think about all of the women, especially before me, who have really forged a path in lay ministry that has set the foundation for what I do now. And lay men don't leave them out either. I think about that, and that's been a, a real gift. But you know, they're now getting to retirement age. And and a lot of the leaders in our parish in particular are kind of getting to that age where they're ready to like step down from coordinating the Christmas gift collection they've been doing for the past 20 years. Like I want to spend time with my grandkids, whatever it is, you know? And I think we're also seeing that transition a little bit in the broader church in America and that we need to, to kind of be attentive to like especially us who are like Gen X, Gen, um, millennials, Gen Z, as we're starting to move into our adulthood, parenthood, kind of settling in and becoming leaders in the church of like, what are the different needs and demands and how do we adapt to that in in the parish and mm-hmm. in the wider church? Things I think that are going well, I think that we as a church have done a really great job, especially since the pandemic, like kind of forces to, of recognizing that we need really good, high quality, like content and like, for lack of a better word, like I think about this podcast, like this podcast wasn't available when I was a 22 year old starting in ministry. And my gosh, I would have loved to have something like this to just hear other people like talking about their experience. And I think that's been really great. You know, like I, there's so many more resources that I can use. I think there are people out there who are doing a great job of kind of reaching people on the margins of the church. Maybe they don't come to mass every Sunday or they haven't been a while. And they're really trying to speak to those people and do that. And I think especially technology has given us a a real gift in that. Mm. So I, I think that we're doing that well. That being said, I think we can do better. Always, right? <laughs> Always. And the other, the other challenge for me as a parish minister is to think about like finding the difference between programming and speaking to hearts and also to n- not assume that mm-hmm. people are going to walk through the door or that they even feel a connection to the church in any way. Um, I do baptism prep as well for our young families. And so like, they're really wonderful and they're here, but it's not a guarantee that they're going to show up and baptize their kids anymore. It's not a guarantee that we're going to feel the need to go to Sunday mass. You know, I love Sunday mass, but that's because I, I've learned and been taught why, and it feeds me 
And if people are never even walking in the door, then why would they show like, and, and here's my thing. Mass is, is not for your first encounter with the church, right? Like right, right. It is, it's for, it's made for the baptized. That's why mm-hmm. if you have an RCA at your parish, they dismiss the catechumens, like they're kicked out because it's not their time yet. You know? right, like, right. Um, and I say that with love, like they need to learn the scriptures and all that, but like those of us who love being Catholic and love what it brings to our lives and our faith, like we have to think about how do we share that from our own personal experience and why it matters to us in a way that's going to speak to the world as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to do, yeah. especially when you're sitting in the church and you have do, you know, I'm sitting in my office and I have duties here and I can't be the one out on the street, like bringing people in. And that's right. something I love and I want to, but it's not my job. My job is to like, again, equip people for ministry as yeah. I said, yeah. right? and to rethink that ministry is what we do in the church building. Right. Right. Well, you, I mean, you just said it perfectly, right? Like we, we've, we have the greatest content in the world. And then the presentation of it sometimes is so either bland or very vanilla or very, just like the same old, same old. Like if I hear one more homily about the feeding of the 5,000 that obviously like talks about the miracle, but then also talks about mm-hmm. how, and we're called to share our gifts to the world. Mm-hmm. Like I might scream, right? Like, yeah. it's like, come on, father, like you can do better. I could do better. Like we, we, <laughs> I know plenty of other people that could do better. Like, but you know, father has a lot of things on his plate mm-hmm. and there's a lot of responsibilities. And, you know, you mentioned baptism prep. Like I, I remember calling the church in July, Rose was due in August. And so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm calling well in advance of when we want to schedule this and was told, oh, you can't come to the class until after she's born. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second, time out. So like I could come next week and you have room in your class, mm-hmm. but I'm not allowed to show up until I have a newborn that like I don't want to bring out of the house mm-hmm. immediately. But like, and it was like, there was no accommodation whatsoever for the mm-hmm. realities of new parents. Mm-hmm. There was no like recognition of like, maybe adaptability should be the name of the game to actually be able to evangelize people. H- how do you see maybe your parish or parishes in your diocese mm-hmm. do that? Mm-hmm. Let's meet people where they are, which is such a Pope Francis thing that sometimes mm-hmm. gets a bad rap, but it's like, isn't that what Jesus did? Like Jesus uh-huh. met the guys on the road to Emmaus at like where they were right headed yeah. in the wrong direction. <laughs> like, like, how do you see that playing out? And like, what are your thoughts on doing that more? Yeah. Um, this is actually something I've been trying to do personally in some of my mysteries, especially with RCIA. Mm. And I say this with love for the other parishes in our diocese, because I think they're wonderful. But I can't, I've, I've gotten at least in the past five years since I've been doing this, I have gotten at least one call every year of a person who's like, I am looking for X, but they said, since I can't come in person on this night at this specific time, I can't come into the church. What are we doing? Yeah, Sorry. That's not how Jesus like, operated. Yeah. Like they, these people want to be Catholic. Like that's not a guarantee at any point nope. in this time in, in history. Right. Like, and we're saying like, well, you can't come on a Thursday. So I guess you can't come. Like, right about the people who work at night. My mother-in-law is a nurse and she has worked nights for the past 40 years of her life. Like she couldn't come. So the the gift of technology is that like, we've been able to do that. So we, we use different services that are out there. Some of the content that's available streaming online to help people if they like, let's say they work on Monday nights and, and then we incorporate them into some of the other gatherings that we have. Zoom has been like a godsend to this this past two years, but um, now we started offering both in person and then we have a Zoom, you know, it's like my laptop set up and you get whatever quality you get, but like 
this year I have three moms with teenagers who are just busy and running people around. And they've been coming with maybe a spouse for 20 years to mass. And they're like, well, I finally feel like I can do it because I have this access. Mm-hmm. So it's thinking about the tools that are already at our disposable and being flexible, I think, and listening. You know, some of the other things like with baptism prep, uh, they can come in person, they can do it online, or we can meet one-on-one. And mm-hmm. like, does that take more of my time? Absolutely. Is that something I've had to discuss with my husband about like setting boundaries? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I don't want my schedule or my perception of how things should be done to be a barrier between someone knowing and loving Jesus Christ and living as a disciple, as a Catholic Christian. Yeah, I think one of the parishes that's nearby that I think is just wonderful, they have started two things. They were doing, once a couple had a baby baptized, they would go to their house and just meet and chat with them mm-hmm. and like say like how are you doing how are you doing as a parent what are some things that we could do as a parish yeah. to help you better be you know like a parent of an infant or whatever it yeah. was they have a wonderful religious sister who is kind of just like seniors and outreach and that kind of thing and she had arranged to go and meet with anytime they found out someone was homebound if they had seniors who were just even just active at the parish, she goes and she just has times where she schedules and she goes to meet with them, has coffee or whatever. And I think that's really wonderful. One of the books, which is an Ave book that I love, um, <laughs> is um, Michael and Father. <laughs> Rebuild? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Rebuilt. Yes. Rebuilt. Um, one of the things I love about that book is that uh, it really helped me. We have a welcome committee and I, I made them all read it. It really helped <laughs> me think about what are the things that we can do to better accommodate our people. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the ideas I love that they have in there is like they just have people in the gathering space before mass who like get the baptismal certificates you need or the letters and like just to welcome and like here here's a parish registration and that's every Sunday and they have t-shirts and they welcome and like while that may not work at your parish like like think think about who are the people that are coming and or in your community that you need to reach and why Mm -hmm. and that book really helps me sort of like rethink my whole (laughs) ministry of like I am not thinking about the people in the pews. I'm thinking about what's most convenient for me and like what I want to do. Yeah. Um, And there's a balance, right? There's a balance. Yeah. It's that knowing that different people need different things. And like evangelization Mm -hmm. is never cookie cutter, black and white. Like this is how it has to be every single circumstance and every, because Jesus didn't approach people that way. Like he had Mm -hmm. principles of, of obviously like he probably said the Beatitudes 500 times and like those never changed, but the rich young man didn't get the same answer as Nicodemus, as did, you know, the, the guy who needed to be healed of a, a 500 demons, right? Like, like, you know, there's, there's different ways to approach people and evangelization has to be personalized. Mm-hmm. A lot of people listening to this are not working in parish ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people in the pews, there, there are people who are, have like a, you know, a, a relationship with the church, but like, just want to be better Catholics every day. And like, they're probably thinking to themselves, okay, great. Like, I'm really glad that parish is doing that. I'm really glad Shannon's at the forefront of making sure that like people have access to become Catholic or that like, you know, young couples with new kids, like recognize, like, you don't have to do this one class once a month, once the baby's born, like I would kill for our parish to be able to do something (laughs) like that. But how can people in the pews, the average everyday Catholic 
have an evangelistic spirit and heart to where it moves beyond what they think is, okay, this is just a program that my parish does. Or like, this is just, okay, yeah, I just got to invite people to church and hope like that week the choir's not awful and Father's homilies engaging. Like, what are some evangelistic attitudes that people can adopt in their own lives to really step forth and do this? Yeah. So I think uh, one thing that I like to frame this as is, um, right, we in the church are there to support and love and build up each other so we can go out. That's what Sunday Mass is for. It's our place to be fed so that we can go out and do the work of the kingdom. Because the work of the kingdom is not in the church. It is in the streets, right? Um, It is not in the pews, right? The pews are where we are healed from our brokenness and built up in strength from the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's what we should be doing in church is building ourselves up. So that being said, as we think about that as, as individuals who are out there with our neighbors and our friends, the first thing we do is we come with them of an attitude of love, of loving them exactly as they are and listening to them to find out who they are. A lot of times we assume we have something to give them without listening to their story. So that's, a, I think, a really important part. Along with that, thinking of everything that we do as ministry, I remember, and this is in our book, so you can read it if you want to, you can get the whole story, but I have a, I have a friend of mine. 2022. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I have a friend of mine who uh, I've worked with in ministry. He actually works with me now at the parish, which is lovely. And at one point we were working in different things and I happened to like stop by and, and see him on my way somewhere. And we were just exchanging stories of, you know, we both had young kids at the time and all this stuff. And I said something, it was just at a time when I was really like kind of bogged down in mom life. Like I just didn't want to do more dishes and I didn't see how like yet another midnight feeding was really like serving the kingdom of God. Right. Like I wanted to have a big plan of like, I'm going to start this not-for-profit and we're going to like save all the mom, right? Like in that, that language in and of itself, right? Like I thought I was going to save everybody. (laughs) It's Jesus. But, um, and he said to me, he's like, you know, you're doing the corporal works of mercy right now. You are feeding the hungry and clothing the naked, right? He was talking about my kids. That's what I was called to at that point in time for the kingdom of God. So seeing those things as, as building the kingdom, we as lay people are the people who are building the kingdom of God on earth in our shopping, in our, you know, our jobs, whatever it is, you know, the PTO, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And that the most important thing that we can do to witness, and this is like, if you talk to speakers, if you talk to whoever it is, it's not the theology, it's not the the teaching of the church that's going to speak to people. It's stories. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it is our story. Our story is the only place from which we can witness. So we have to know our relationship with God. We have to know our heart with Jesus Christ. And that's where we speak from. We'll give you, I'll give you another story. I remember <laughs> with my, my oldest, who's almost 12 now, but he was about eight or something. And it was, I think it was Ash Wednesday. And I was fasting and I'm a terrible faster. I, I like, Lent is not my time. I get babies around me, not having to fast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had, I think I was pregnant with all my kids at Lent at some point. I was like, this is the best. And then breastfeeding, right? So then you get, you get two years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I, I just kind of like had that like cranky thing of like, I'm not fasting. I was a little cranky with him and he, 
and he said something and I was like, look, but I like, yes, I want to answer you, but I'm like, I'm just, I'm really cranky. I've been fasting. I'm not in a good mood. Cause I, I believe in that, like of being really upfront yeah, with my kids honest. about yeah. like where I am. And he's like, oh, well, well, why are you fasting? And I said, you know, it's Ash Wednesday. I went through the whole thing. And he's like, well, why do you do that? And my first instinct is like, I'm a Catholic, I'm a good Catholic. I'm like, because the church tells me to, right? That's the, it's the rules for today. And like, you know, that's a fine answer between you and I, Katie, because we get it. We get it, right. But he doesn't, he, he has not been evangelized because he's a kid, right? He doesn't, he doesn't know. And I remember it was a total Holy Spirit moment, just stopping and thinking like, he doesn't want the Catholic answer right now. He needs Mm -hmm. to know why his mom does this and why it's important to me and then therefore to him. And I stopped and I said, well, like I fast because that's what we do, but because I believe that it helps me be a better person because Mm -hmm. it helps me remember that like I am lucky to have food and to never want for food. It helps me to remember that sometimes I have to give up things to get what I want. Sometimes God asks me to do things that I don't want to do and Mm -hmm. I do them for him because it helps me love Jesus better. It helps me be more like Jesus. And, and we talked about that a little bit. And I just remember that like, that was such a good moment, not only for him to learn, but also for our relationship as mom and and son, because I wasn't talking about the why of what I should do. I was talking about the why it matters to me as a person Mm -hmm. who loves Jesus and also just as a human, right? Like of who wants to be better, who wants to be more just and more loving and all of that. And those are the things that I really have tried to refocus my own efforts of, of sharing my faith with people. And I think that's where, where we can come from as individuals is to say, like, start with why you love Christ mm-hmm. and what he has done for you, because that's the gospel. Yeah. That's gospel is what he has done for us and remembering it and repeating it over and over again. And along with that, I think we also have to, and I say this, like, I hate saying this because like, I'm a Catholic and I want to be like, everybody be saved and come to love the church. But like, sometimes we have to lower our expectations. Mm. Uh, sometimes we are planting the seed or we are the first step on the journey. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to end up as a consecrated virgin in the church right. or something like that. Like I would love that. Or, I mean, not everybody, please have babies. Yeah, no, we need babies, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But not everybody's going to be so all in that they give their whole lives and whole being to Christ in that way. And sometimes it's just, we are there to, to take the first step. And I say that, especially in my experience as RCIA um, director, I am never the one evangelizing anybody when they come to me. It's always somebody else who's done all the work and I'm just yeah. reaping the the benefits, right? I'll tell you one more story. <laughs> like I'm just yeah, talking. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the joy of this, yeah. <laughs> I have a really good friend who's super smart. She's an astrophysicist. She's amazing. And she grew up in the Lutheran church, but like was never really interested in church. And she, as a scientist, did not really appreciate the ways that people tried to talk to her about mm-hmm. creationism or like she's a very like intellectual and like a very she's a seeker right she's like always seeking truth because she's a scientist and you know me being like a super 
Catholic person, like I, I of course believe in science because we as Catholics are are big on that. But like, I'm out here like as the church lady who's like doing faith stuff all the times, <laughs> you know, we were friends and, and bonded over other things. And so like, I just talked about my life and my faith. Like there was no expectation that I, I never expected her to become Catholic. Like that's not what I was expecting of her or even that she would go to church. But I would just talk about like, you know, raising our kids and like why we wanted to do this. And like, if I was frustrated that day at the parish or whatever, like, I was like, ah, but eventually it got to the point where she and her husband were kind of like, you know, they had both been raised in other Christian denominations and they were like, we want our kids to have this option, but we're not necessarily like big on what we grew up in. I think mm-hmm. her, her husband grew up in the Southern Baptist tradition and they're, they're more on the like liberal end of the political spectrum. So that like, there was a lot of places. So like, you know, I don't know if they were ever going to land at Catholic, but they were thinking about that. And they got to the point where they were ready to go to church and there were a couple of congregations in the area. And I remember being like, well, I could invite them to the Catholic church, but I feel like they're not ready for that. So I gave them a different church that I thought would be a good fit. And they started going and they really loved the minister and they really loved everything about it. And even though it wasn't necessarily where I agreed with it was for them a first step towards a deeper relationship with Christ. And I think that was really important for me to just say, okay, like I've invited them into relationship with Christ. Maybe I'm not going to see the fruit of that. Maybe they're never going to get to Catholic, but they have taken a step that they wouldn't have because they're in a relationship with me because I'm witnessing to my faith. And I think that's hard as Catholics, because sometimes we want to be like, well, the Protestants did everything wrong, right? But our job is to share our faith first. And that's what I did and trust God to do the rest. And that is, is very hard. But if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't suggested, hey, there's this other place that you could go, and maybe that's where you need to be then I don't think they would be going to church at all or involved at all. And would I rather somebody never hear the good news or would I rather just let them take a first step and love Jesus Christ? And so maybe that's not the best uh, story to give for evangelization because it's not like the end of the story was like, and they all became Catholic the next (laughs) year, right? They just ended up at a kind of like liberal Protestant church. but. They were open to a relationship with Jesus for the first time in a long time. And that was such a gift. And I learned so much from them because they challenged my expectations of the Catholic. They challenged what I sort of, the ways I got stuck in my comfort with my own faith and mm-hmm. to say like, oh, well, that's not how I would interpret scripture or that's not it. But but also it helps me to better respond and to better say like, yeah, this is why I believe this about Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal, right? Yeah, like To be exactly. able to always give a reason for the, the the hope that's within you, like to be able to explain that to other people is the heart of evangelization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like it also helped, I think that I was literally the first Christian she had ever met who was okay with evolution. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, <Yeah. laughs> my other thing is like, if you don't know something, that's okay when you're evangelizing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like 
maybe don't give an answer if you don't know. Right. And just say, right. like, I don't know, but let me find out for you. <laughs> well, and Brandon Vaught's books from Ave Maria Press like, yeah. give such great, I've I've passed those out like candy to people mm-hmm. who are like, wait, what do you guys think about this kind mm-hmm. of stuff? And mm-hmm. my husband's a biology teacher. So, I mean, he's, I think, constantly shocking his students when he talks about scientific things or like yeah. most recently, like with COVID vaccines and even treatment mm-hmm. protocols, people being like, wait a second, Surprisingly enough, 85% of Catholics are vaccinated, but you only ever hear about the other percentage that are not and how loud that might be. And I Mm -hmm. I think what's fascinating is that evangelization at the end of the day, from a parish perspective and from a personal perspective, is about interacting with the person that's right in front of you, not just having like your cookie cutter response for something, but like, okay, what experience in my life approaches this person in the right way at this particular Mm -hmm. moment? And like, how does their particular experience perhaps even shape and form my own understanding. Shannon, we could keep going. You actually yeah. have a podcast where you and Marseille talk about this a lot. Yes, we do all the time. Uh, and you've got this book coming out. <laughs> where can we follow you and where can we find your own podcast? Sure. So our podcast is called Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, uh, like your good Love old it. Catholic school uniforms. <laughs> I've had skirts. My kids um, in her plaid jumper today. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, it's about being black and Catholic and how we see the world through that lens. Um, so you can find that pre- pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, etc. And you can follow me personally on Instagram at Team Quarter Black. And you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, not great at Twitter, but I'm there. Uh, also, it's Team Quarter Black, but it's BLK instead of spelling out the whole world. So you can follow me there. I'm trying and, to get more Catholic moms on Twitter. That's where like yeah. I thrive yeah. during the day. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, You can get so many awesome people over here. Agreed. Instagram can be toxic. Twitter. Let's go over there. I do. Like, I love reading Twitter. I'm just terrible at like at tweeting. I yeah. I don't have hot takes. I'm like, guess what? We had macaroni and cheese again for lunch. (laughs) See, I, when I started treating my Twitter, like my Instagram stories of just like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to post this picture of the kid and like, or I'm just going to like post this little brief commentary. That was the second where I was like, oh, that's what people actually care about. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't care about what so-and-so said or what such and such did, or like this, you know, found so many good TV. Schmigadoon was a Twitter find. Like that was a, Somebody tweeting about it. I was like, let's try that show out. Mm-hmm. So, well, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us on Ave Explorers. It's always a joy to get to hang out with you. Yeah. Great to be with you. And thanks so much for having me. One of the things I loved about getting to have this conversation with Shannon was how she was sharing stories really from the trenches. You could tap every person in America, every person in the world who's working in a parish, and they have stories like this. Stories of encounters, stories where they're sharing the faith with people, stories where they're really digging into what it means to live Catholicism and encourage people to live their faith in really unique and profound ways, and then to turn around and share the faith. And isn't that the goal, right? To turn around and to be able to share what it is that's inspired us, who it is that we've fallen in love with, Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. We'd love it if you give it a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Even better if you share it. If you follow Ave Maria Press on Instagram, Ave Maria Press is the handle, or on Facebook, you can share the episode with your friends and family across social media. We'd love that. We'd also love it if you'd go to AveMariaPress.com to sign up for all of our weekly emails for sharing the faith and... Just so you know, once this Sharing the Faith series is over in quite a while, we've got a long ways to go, but we'll have an Advent series coupled alongside of our brand new Advent devotional written by Father John Burns and illustrated by the of Instagram fame, Pax Beloved, Pax Valerie, as she's known on Instagram. You can find a copy of that 
over on AveMariaPress.com and get free shipping on the book with the code ADORE. So just use that code over on AveMariaPress.com when you grab a copy of the book and you can join in on our podcast that will be accompanying that awesome Advent book that we'll be working through during the season of Advent. We're so happy that you joined us for this episode today. We'll be back later on in the week to talk more about how to share the faith. We can't wait to see you then. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.